The Brew Roots Podcast is proudly affiliated with the Mass Brew Bros. Be sure to check out their website to stay up to date with all Mass Beer-related news. Beer was the original social network. Before there was Facebook, before there was anything else, people connected over beer. And you just heard from David from Wormtown Brewery, which we featured in this week's episode of Brew Roots. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Brew Roots, where we tell the stories behind your favorite beer. I'm Matt, and joining me today is sound guy Ryan and Erica, an honorary Brew Root co-host at this point he's been on a number of episodes i think the most of a co-host if rob from the mass brew pros what's up rob how are you hey guys i'm good how you doing today good are you okay with the uh honorary co-host uh designation that i think i've bestowed upon you yeah love it that sounds good yeah and he's not only of the mass brew bros he has my favorite blog because I think I, I probably reshare the most of this on my own personal Facebook is Echo Friendly Beer Drinker, um, and if you're not following that, he is, he shares awesome articles. Um, and we did a podcast with him. What what episode was that? Like 110 or? Uh, oh, I think it was before that. Yeah. Well, we'll put the link for that in the in the bio. The doobly doob. Yeah, the doobly doob below. But uh, how is everybody? How are you guys doing? Uh, we're rocking and rolling. It's just another week in quarantine, but again, breweries are starting to open. Um, one of my favorites just opened up their patio, Sylvaticus, so I can't wait to go check that out. Yeah. What, what about you, Erica? Oh, you know, I've been uh, hitting up Brado, my fave, and otherwise, just the usual. Um, every weekend, basically just going to a different brewery. So this past weekend, I went to Startline. Cool. Um Craft Roots, and then 67 Degrees. So um, that was pretty cool. It was a good time. Interesting. Stopped this... at all their patios. Nice. Yep, and they're all dog-friendly, so that was fun. That's except really... for Startline. I think Startline's still trying to figure out their thing, so I got beer to go there, but that's cool. okay. Yeah, I kind of went on Friday. Uh, it was a million degrees, as everyone I'm sure remembers, but uh, I went to Notch, and I enjoyed a beer at Notch. Nice. nice. Which... Surprise, I went to Notch, everyone. <laughs> now, what about you, Rob? Because now you're able to get pints, you know, eco-friendly. <laughs> Some places. Yeah, no, I've been excited because I've been living on growlers only uh, for the last three months. And that has been uh, a little bit limiting. So I was happy to get over to Cambridge Brewing Company recently with Bob and uh, get a couple of proper pints there, which was great on their outdoor patio. Uh, and I have a sort of a family vacation home down in Rhode Island that um, we're staying at part-time now as well. So my wife and I were able to get to a, a brew pub down there called Apanoag Brewing, and they have a really cool outdoor patio as well. So, uh, yeah, I've been happy to get outside and get some proper pints and get off of in a growler-only diet for once. <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting. Um, I think it was Ryan and I went to true north for the first time and i think that was our first beer in the wild it certainly yeah. was mine and uh i have to say the staff at, at, at both notch and true north did a phenomenal job uh, not only making us feel safe but like 
social distancing wise and taking all the proper precautions um, and minimal, like there were literally minimal bumps in the road and we were there, what, 30 minutes after they opened? Yeah, yeah, so. literally. We got there at 4.15, 4.20, yeah. essentially, yeah. Um, so uh, we hope you enjoyed our last week's episode uh, with Mark uh, from Idle Time. Uh, formally we, of Idle formally Time. Formally of Idle Time. We actually just found out uh, right before we released the episode that he's no longer with Idle Time. So we really hope that he's doing well on his new journey. Uh, but we really enjoyed the 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 stories that he told uh, and we got a lot of really good feedback in in what he's accomplished in his career um i think is really fascinating he's like had a hand on a ton of breweries in new england yeah i mean like, yeah i mean the only ones that like i remember the top of my head right now um you definitely had uh, what cambridge brewing Co, Wormtown as well Wormtown, yep. um which you'll be hearing from uh, uh later in this episode uh what was some of the other ones i don't Again, I don't really remember. Oh, the list is too long. I mean, I know yeah, that he first huge. started a brewery in Nashville. You New can Hampshire. hear yeah. it on yeah. the uh, It's interview. crazy. <laughs> yeah, so if you haven't heard it, definitely go listen to that. Um, but today we have Rob here, as Matt said. And Rob, what are we talking about today? So yeah, today we're going to be talking about um, the year of 2019 in, in terms of uh, the biggest and fastest growing breweries in Massachusetts. Uh, annual every May, the Brewers Association comes out with uh, its production numbers. And I always find that fascinating to see uh, which breweries are the biggest and which breweries are growing the fastest. So we'll chat about that. And that'll lead us into a second half of a discussion with David Fields from Wormtown, who, when I was confirming his brewery's production numbers for 2019, shot me back a message saying, hey, and by the way, uh, as impressive as our numbers were, the state itself is even more impressive. We're crushing it in every measurable way, and I think we're the best beer state in the country, which got me to thinking, well, that's a great story too, and so that was another blog that I wrote shortly thereafter, so he'll talk a lot about about that and sort of defend the the argument for why we might be the best beer state in the country. Yeah, so all of this information, you're going to be able to go look back at two different articles on the Mass Brew Bros um, website. Definitely check it out. It's really good reads, and it's really informed us and got us excited to do this episode today. Absolutely. Um, So, Rob, where do you want to start? I think uh, when people say uh, 2018 to 2019... um, what are some of the the breweries that had, you know, what's the number one brewery? I mean, that's that's the question. Sure, yeah. So the first blog post was the 25 biggest and fastest, and that's by production. Um, and so we had this cool graph that people really liked seeing, which it listed the first half of the graph, listed the top 12 breweries in the state by production, and then the second half of the um, infographic listed the second 13, the next 13. Um, top spot is a really interesting one. It's Harpoon Brewing. By far, they brew more than double what anybody else brews in the state of Massachusetts. And I know that a lot of your listeners are probably thinking, whoa, wait a minute, dude, Sam Adams is like second biggest brewery in the whole country. <laughs> well, we which, got news for you. <laughs> <laughs> which is true. 
And in no way, shape, or form would I argue that they're not considered a Massachusetts brewery. I mean, they're one of the originals. Um, but the vast majority of their beer is actually produced at their two huge state-of-the-art breweries, one in Pennsylvania and one in Ohio. And so we didn't list them for that particular reason. They come in later on the list because they only brew around seven or 8,000 barrels of beer actually here in Massachusetts out of the brewery over in Jamaica Plain, which is more of a, a research and development sort of brewery for them and a tap room space now and a place where you can go for an amazing brewery tour. Yeah, and that and that accounts for what one percent of their total beer production or something. Yeah, like exactly. That? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And then Harpoon was uh, striving at what one hundred and seventy-five barrels or something. Exactly, yeah, one hundred seventy-five thousand yeah. barrels, uh, most of which is brewed here in Massachusetts. Although they do have a second brewery up in Vermont. Yeah. But there's only about a quarter of the beer or so is brewed in Vermont and distributed up into the northern New England area. Yeah. So, obviously, if you look at any top ten list of beers, you see two breweries, Treehouse and Trillium. Uh, you mean to tell us they were not number one and two? Uh, where did they stack up? Yeah, I'll run through the list real quick. So, um, you had, obviously, as we said, Harpoon first. After Harpoon was another sort of a legacy brand, so to speak, Wachusett. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is up into the 60,000 or so barrels. Right behind them is Jack's Abbey, uh, a little over 50. And then you had Treehouse, who was just short of 50,000 this year, which is pretty amazing considering they haven't been around anywhere near as long as the, the three breweries that we've been talking about so far. And then next was Lord Hobo at under 50, just a little under 50,000. Then Night Shift. Uh, or around 40-ish or so, and then Wormtown, Trillium, uh, Dorchester Brewing, although most of their beer is not their own. It's a bunch of other brands that they contract brew. Then Berkshire Brewing, another legacy brand, uh, Ipswich, and again, they're a contract brewery as well, so most of the beer that they produce is for other brands, a lot of contract brands. And then Notch was uh, sort of the last, what you would call like a, a regional brewery. That's awesome. And all of these breweries, they made a, a, did they all make appearances the year before in this list? Or what are some new kids on the block that are kind of making a name for themselves? That specific list that I just read to you was almost identical to last year with the exception of Newburyport Brewing, I think, was in that top 12. Um, mm-hmm. But they've... Well, I guess they would be, yeah, and I guess also, like, they would probably fall into Ipswich, and that's why Ipswich probably bumped up, because I know that they're brewing a lot of their beer at Ipswich. Right, so a lot of people may not know, but Newburyport um, has stopped brewing their own beer on premise at the Newburyport taproom and brewery location. They're, They're in the process of trying to open a new place, like a big sort of destination brewery, also in Newburyport but um, at a slightly different location, and they've had a lot of snags and bumps in the road on getting there. Right down the street. (laughs) Yeah, and so they've decided to have their beer contract brewed by Ipswich until they get the new brewery sort of on its feet and up and running. Hmm. So those are the quote-unquote big players in the the state, but 
what are some breweries that are are, are really kind of holding their own and, and growing uh, from 2018 to 2019? Yeah, so just to before we move on to the next batch, real quick, um, Harpoon didn't grow this year, but that's very typical of uh, the bigger legacy brands around the country. Hardly any of them are still growing. Um, they lost just a little bit of production just because there's so many more breweries now and so much more competition than there used to be. Wachusett grew just a little bit. Jack's Abbey has continued to grow. Treehouse continues to grow. Lord Hobo continues to grow. Night Shift continues to grow. Wormtown continues to grow. It's pretty crazy. Trillium had a good year. They grew almost 30%. Uh, and then the other, the last four were all right around flattish or a little bit of growth. Um, when you get into the smaller sort of batch of breweries, but they're still big for our state, that's where you had some really interesting and big growth numbers. So another one, again, was called Brewmasters Brewing Services. They're out in Western Mass. And again, they are a, a, a production brewery that does all sorts of contract brands. They don't really brew their own beer. But they've been doing well because a lot of contract brands out in Western Mass have continued to do well. Uh, Brewmaster Jack, for example, or White Lion. They brew beer for mm-hmm. both of those breweries. Yeah, this um, next one surprised me that they're this low on the list, but I'll let you continue. So, yeah, so after that is Castle Island. And, um, yeah, I don't know if it's that surprising. I mean, they brewed 8,000 barrels of beer. That's, that's a considerable amount. I know, that's it just, a lot of beer. But I know it's a lot of beer. It just seems that they do way more contract brewing that would make them brew a lot more outstanding uh, that... outstanding idea there uh they didn't give me that particular number so this is just okay. their this is just oh. their own beer okay all right well you go castle island yeah so that's a separate <laughs> sort of um that's a separate figure or number for all the contract brands that they might be producing beer for which i know Wandering, no, not Wandering Star, but uh, Wandering, wandering Soul. Soul. Wandering Soul, was yeah. brewing there. No, he was. Now he was he's at for, well, um, most of 2020 Bentwater. he was, and then... That's okay. true. Yeah. He's yeah. at Bentwater. Gilded now Skull he's at Bentwater. Did. Gilded yeah. Skull, who just started up, is brewing there. And there may be a, a few others as well. But yep. So, yeah, yep. their number would have been a little bit bigger if uh, you included that part of their yep. business. Yep. Um, so, again, and, and Castle Island, I think, is actually... They're younger than maybe every single brewery that we already mentioned. I'm trying to see if anybody else. I don't. Yeah, I think they're they're newer than any of the breweries we've mentioned so far. So I That's think great. that has a big part to it, except Dorchester Brewing. But again, yeah. Dorchester Brewing is brewing beer for probably at least a dozen brands, some of which are international. So. Yeah. That's where all their production comes from. Okay, so real quick, next was Fort Hill Brewing out in Western Mass, and then was Newburyport Brewing, then was the Sam Adams Tap Room Space in Jamaica Plain, then was Greater Good Brewing, who's been growing super fast for the mm-hmm. last few years out of out of Worcester. They've got a tremendous IPA that won our New England IPA Blind Tasting Tournament last year, Pulp Daddy. Um, so they've been crushing it. Lamplighter in Cambridge has been growing super fast and doing really well. Then Mayflower Brewing, a little more of a legacy brand. Cape Cod Beer, same thing, a little more of a legacy brand. Bentwater Brewing, who's been steadily growing. Exhibit A in Framingham, 
who's been doing very well, growing pretty quickly. Uh, Mighty Squirrel, who was a contract brand up until about a year or so ago when they opened their own beautiful state-of-the-art brewery in Waltham, and they really crushed it. They grew 200% oh, yeah. this year yeah, in their that's, own facility. That's the one I was going to ask you about is uh, Mighty Squirrel. I mean, for people who don't know Mighty Squirrel's original story, I mean, they started out brewing protein beer um, and to grow into you know their, their, their cloud um, IPA. Cloud candy. Cloud, cloud candy. Like that is a yeah. well-known beer. Um, that must be why they're in the this this list. I mean, yeah. Funny you should say that. We actually um, were just speaking with uh, Naveen. He's one of the two co-founders. Mm-hmm. Just uh, about a week or so ago, um, he was very kind to uh, give us some beer for my birthday. He had said, "Oh, Aww. he had seen it on he had seen a post on social media that it was my birthday that Bobby put up." And he was like, hey, come over to the brewery for some birthday beers. <laughs> so, of course, Bob and I went over there, and then I realized, oh, crap, I gave up all packaged beer except refillable growlers and pints for all of 2019, oh, for 2020. <laughs> and so he comes out with this case of beer, and I'm like, I can't drink this. And then I'm like, I have to tell him I can't accept my birthday beer. Oh, no. It's terrible. So... Needless to say, Bob walked out of there with a beautiful case of birthday <laughs> beer that Lucky he gets Bob. to drink. Um, so, yeah. And, and he said at that point that uh, I think it was like 60% of their production was cloud candy. Wow. And what blew my mind is that he said that every single barrel of beer that they produced this year was sold in Massachusetts. So they're not even distributing anywhere outside of Massachusetts, and yet they're still one of the 25 biggest breweries so that's pretty impressive that means they've got some real loyalty to that particular beer it's it's really doing well that's awesome that's incredible before before the next question i want to make sure not to leave off the last one of the the top 25 which was aeronaut aeronaut brewing in somerville Um, Mm -hmm. and they've been sort of steadily growing for the last several years as well yeah um We've seen a couple of lists going around the internet, uh, Most, no- more notably like the USA Today list, listing um, someone like Channel Marker or um, Vitamin C as one of the fastest growing or most exciting breweries, uh, top 10 exciting breweries. Um, where do they stack up? Are their numbers po- um, publicly available right now? Uh, s- any number can be publicly available by law. They have to report. Um, how much beer they sold and pay tax on that. So if you want to do the detective work like I am want to do sometimes, you can sort of dig in and find out even if the brewery doesn't necessarily um, put the number out there for everybody to see. And breweries are interesting in that way. Some are very private and some don't really care. Um, I don't know exactly what the number is for channel marker, but I would argue that it's almost irrelevant because they have such a small system that they couldn't possibly keep up with demand with the current system that they have. And I, so I would guess that demand is probably a better indicator that they're growing fast. In other words, I'm sure that they're selling out of all the beer that they brew every week. And, they do. <laughs> and yeah, at some point they're yeah. going to obviously have to upgrade their system, at which point they might start to be able to creep up into that sort of 
four, 5,000 barrel range to be one of the top 25. The other one that's interesting is Vitamin C Brewing, who also is brand new. Um, I was able to confirm that number with uh, Dino, the, the founder, and it was 1,200 barrels of beer, which, again, compared to the 25 we just mentioned, isn't that much, but it's a lot for a brewery that just opened, has, again, uh, you know, a moderate system, not that much fermentation capacity, and um, one of the breweries that's developed a sort of line culture. They literally sell all, almost all of their beer straight out of the tap room, too, other than you know, maybe some festivals or some special sort of tap lines that they might have at some of the better restaurants and things that they send some beer over to almost as a courtesy as opposed to making any real money off of it. Yeah. So seeing this list and the number of barrels produced in a relatively small state, we're, we're brewing an astronomical amount of beer, aren't we? Yeah, it, it really is impressive. I think it was... Let me look it up real quick. Six hundred and you know, like six hundred and sixty thousand barrels of beer, which is pretty crazy. So, um, I I want to say that when David had responded to my email and was saying he thinks we're the best beer state in the country, and one of his reasons was exactly that. He said, and I'd have to double check it myself, but he said he thought we were maybe sixteenth in the nation in terms of actual beer production, um, which is pretty impressive. And I don't know where we are population-wise, but um, we're brewing a lot of beer. And that's, yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. I think Sound Guy Ryan just did some quick math. Yeah, so <laughs> if, if I remember what, you know, a barrel equals, basically uh-huh. Massachusetts brewed over 23 million gallons of beer. that's crazy Uh, that is and i would venture to say that we sell a lot of it uh right here in massachusetts which is pretty impressive um some of these other states that probably produce a ton of beer a lot of it's because there are like nationwide brands that sell their stuff everywhere and in our state with the exception of like Sam's. <laughs> Sam Adams, really. I mean, nobody else is really distributing their beer all over the country. I mean, Harpoon is probably all over New England, but I don't know if mm-hmm. they go much further than that. So, yeah, we're, we're selling a ton of beer here in, in the state of Massachusetts, and I think that's because people are like, why would I bother buying beer from these other places when we have some of the best beer in the world right here in our own state? Which is a perfect segue to our next topic, I think. Got any more to add to that? Um, trying to think if there was anything else really interesting um, about the Browerlage blog, and I don't think so. I mean, we're just we're growing really well, really fast. Most of our breweries are doing really well and better than a lot of the other sort of bigger, more established breweries in other parts of the country. So the average growth rate, for example, of craft beer is is roughly 4%. But if you look at uh, all the breweries we were just talking about, they were all growing at much, much bigger, faster rates than that, including some of the biggest breweries growing in double digits. And to me, that's that's pretty impressive. And again, probably a pretty good argument to say that we are right up there with any beer state around. 
Yeah, and I think it'll be super interesting to see this episode next year to see where these metrics went um, to really see what happened and what COVID actually did to the beer industry. We all know that it sucks, but it would be interesting to see the numbers to see what it actually did. Yeah, and um, that would be, yeah, that is going to be fascinating because if you can get past the sort of negative numbers that almost everybody's probably going to put up and then just sort of look at what did all the other breweries and all the other parts of the country do? They're probably all going to get crushed as well. Um, yeah. I, I also think that if, if it's able, if we're able to get the data to see how much more taproom sales and how much more people are supporting Massachusetts beer um, and see how that, you know, takes effect and, and, and just see where that takes Massachusetts uh, I, in, into the future. Yeah, I agree. The, the buy local, drink local sort of mentality, I'm guessing, was pretty great here. Um, so, again, it will be interesting to see if the drop-off in production in other parts of the country or other bigger breweries is more dramatic maybe than it was here. That, that'll be an interesting thing to see and and would be even more of an indicator maybe that, again, we've got a great craft beer scene here maybe as good as anybody. I don't think I could have said that better myself for the segue. <laughs> the next part of this episode, um, just before we go to our sponsors, is going to really highlight why we think, and we continuously say that almost every week, that Massachusetts is the best state for beer. Um but luckily, we have Dave from Wormtown to back us up a little bit. So why don't you take it away to our sponsors, Ryan, and then we'll catch you on the other side with Dave from Wormtown. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Bye. Hey, Sound Guy Ryan here. Didn't know if you heard, but we're a part of the Hopped Up Network. There you'll find other informative podcasts about beer. So go ahead, follow them on social media, and visit them on their website, hoppedupnetwork.com, to learn more about the people, beer, and breweries from around the country. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. This week's episode would not be possible without our amazing sponsor, Shirts on Tap. Each month, they team up with breweries from across the country and create a custom shirt and deliver it to your doorstep, along with stickers and coupons. Sign up today using the promo code BREWROOTS for $5 off your first box. Head on over to ShirtsOnTap.com today. And remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. You looking to get into a new hobby? Oh, yeah. Sure thing. Well, Erica, where can we do that? Go down to Beer and Wine Hobby. Ooh. And what can we get there? Everything you need to start your homebrew journey. And we'll help you along that journey by using our promo code BREWROOTS to get 10% off your next order. Visit beer-wine.com to start your homebrew journey today. Awesome. So you guys just heard from our awesome sponsors. If you guys have an opportunity to support them, um, please do because they are awesome and we stand behind the people who sponsor our podcast. It's not just they're throwing us money. We actually use their products. Um, 
now we're lucky enough to have David Fields from one of our favorite breweries. Ryan's literally wearing their shirt right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, buddy. We have friends that work there, Katrina and Jenna. We love them. Boop, boop. And all too. the awesome people who work there um, of Warmtown Brewery, like Worcester, Massachusetts, and in Foxborough now, which is even cooler. Uh, so I'm hoping, hoping, fingers crossed, to maybe make it out to a Patriots game this year. We don't know. We don't know yet. But <laughs> <laughs> I've been to both locations, and they're awesome. But, David, how are you? I'm, I'm awesome, man. Thank you very much. And I will say, even if you can't make it out to a game because they don't allow fans, come hang out at the tap room and watch the game as close as you can get to the stadium. That's awesome. We are here because of the Mass Brew Bros. Um, blog that's going to be released or has at this point already been released um we're we're claiming massachusetts is the best beer state um and i know you're pretty passionate about that you you were talking off air about your stance and and your belief of that but uh do you want to just get right into it why you think it's the best beer state and we can kind of discuss it a little bit further sure well i think it's the best beer state because i'm from here um (laughs) you know i mean that's solid answer is, isn't uh, isn't craft beer all about local? So for us, local's local. But um, I've been saying this for a few years, and I don't know that uh, I don't know that I'll go out and try and get into a debate with someone from California or the Pacific Northwest or Colorado um, and and turn this into something that doesn't need to be. But um, at the end of the day, for about four years now, when you look at all of the tangible um, ways to measure success of breweries. And you can, uh, Sam, Sam Handler and I had a really good discussion about what matters and what doesn't matter. But uh, separate from that, when you look at the things like uh, quality, when you look at innovation, uh, when you look at size of breweries and um, their ratings or the success that they've had, Massachusetts just stands out um, and it stands out among the other parts of the country with that. And it stands out, um, you know, against the entire industry when you, when you measure it that way. And we can go into each one of those uh, if you want. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you look at across the country, Massachusetts geographically wise is a relatively small state. So, when you think of the mass beer scene, nobody says the Boston beer scene. I mean, maybe in, internally in the state, but when people talk about the craft beer that's being produced out of Massachusetts, they say, you know, Massachusetts craft beer. Um, and when we think of California, Oregon, you know, Chicago, um, those those places are a lot bigger. Denver, they're a lot, lot bigger. Um, I can't think of too many breweries outside of, you know, Denver, for example, that are you know, of notoriety. Um, but Massachusetts, you know, you could be in Amesbury with Sylvaticus. Uh, you could be on Cape Cod with Cape Cod Brewing. You can be in Worcester with Wormtown. You can be in Salem with Notch. Um, you can be in Charlton with Treehouse. I mean, we have a lot of notoriety in this state. Um, why is that? And is it just we got lucky with good brewers or what is it? Yeah, I mean, um, I think there's a lot that goes into that and, and kind of start with quality. Um, you know, you had, you had a brewery, uh, that, that really was part of the original, um, the original movement in Boston beer. And, and, you know, he set the tone, 
uh, followed by Harpoon and then the Wachusett guys. And you, know, you could go right on down the list and they started making great beer and they set the precedent for quality uh, at all costs every step of the way. And they did that 25, 30 years ago. And, and they really paved the way for the new generation. Um, and it's kind of funny for, for us at Wormtown, we celebrated 10 years this past March. And I remember I was at an event and we were talking to somebody and they were looking at me saying, oh my God, I can't, I can't believe that I'm with, you know, somebody who's been in the industry for 10 years. And I'm thinking like, we're new kids on the blocks compared to the guys, you know, around us in, in, in Massachusetts. But uh, at the end of the day, the foundation was set and it was laid by some very talented, some incredible people. Um, and it's always about quality. So then you look at, um, you know, Wormtown, for example, uh, you know, over the course of 10 years, over 200 national and international medals, World Beer Cups, JBF, uh, multiple medals. Um, you know, we've also were the U.S. Beer Open champion in, in uh, 2015, which was really cool. I believe we were the first East Coast brewery to achieve that. Um, and the event was hosted in Atlanta, Georgia. But then you move across the state. Um, Trillium Treehouse, we don't have to talk much about those two, but find me a list of top 10 breweries in the world that they're not included in. Um, and to see what they've what they've done. I mean, they basically created a new space in the industry of 100% taproom business. And there's thousands of breweries doing that today, right? So out of 8,000 breweries, I don't know, maybe two, 3,000 probably do not distribute. But other than Trillium and Treehouse, I'd like to see the brewery in the country that sells 25, 26,000 barrels of beer taproom only or 50,000 barrels of beer taproom only and gets it shipped all across the world, um, you know, the way those two breweries do. So they add a huge quality reputation to the Massachusetts marketplace, but then it goes on. You've got your Jack's Abbey's and, uh, you know, you've got exhibit A's. I like to call it Central Mass, but if you're in Boston, they think of us as Western Massachusetts, <laughs> um, you know, and, and you, but you can go on and on and on. And, and, you know, I skipped an original gangster. I mean, Will Myers is yeah, somebody Cambridge. I've always said Cambridge, Cambridge Brewing. I've always said this about Will Myers. I think he has more professional brewers as head brewers <laughs> at breweries in the country that have, worked, that have worked for him than Bill Belichick has head coaches in the NFL that have been in his tree. It's he the probably, has a, yeah, su- yeah, probably has a better success rate than Bill Belichick's <laughs> disciples. Well, that, that, that is true. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it, I could probably name seven right now, and I'm sure people oh, yeah. come, come up with about seven or eight more. Um, you know, that's just amazing to have that, uh, and lifetime achievement awards for him as well. Um, and, and as you know, uh, for, uh, when we started in 2000, uh, 2010, we're the 37th brewery license issued. Not all 37 were still in business today, just over what 200, um, yeah. you know, so that's pretty cool. Um, you know, so we've got, we've got quality always number one. Then you move into kind of what piqued my interest for the very first time um, when I was looking at a BA stats and an industry report. And I, I tend to be a little bit of a, of a stat geek, even though I try to downplay that. Um, and I noticed about, I don't know, maybe four years ago, um, you kind of had some of the big guys coming into the Northeast and especially Massachusetts and Yingling came in and they achieved about half of what their strategic objective was and then declined from there. Then you had Fat Tire do the exact same thing and experience the exact same thing. 
And at the same time, so that meant the competitive landscape out here was, was pretty tough. And our, our local brands were really strong. Um, but at the same time, the national um, trend for craft beer fell off of double digits for the first time. And we started talking about the first time I ever heard the phrase the new normal was regards to craft beers uh, trends being the new normal of low single digits instead of 12, 15, 18% growth every year as an industry. Um, so when I started seeing nationally 5%, but saw Wormtown growing triple digits four or five years ago, Jack's Abbey growing near triple digits four or five years ago, um, you know, seeing what Treehouse was doing, leaving what they're, I think, I think Charlton's their fourth brewery, a third brewery, um, and, and blowing out of Munson after a year. Um, and you can go right across the entire landscape, Lord Hobo. Um, and then you had Craft Roots. So I think, I think Lord Hobo and Craft Roots back-to-back -back years were recognized by the BA as the fastest growing breweries in the country. Granted, small bases and math, you know, math plays into that, but um, they both exploded. Night Shift, we haven't even talked about those guys and what they're doing and how they're changing the landscape of what craft breweries can be. You don't have to just be a craft brewery. You don't have to be just a taproom craft brewery. Why not be a multiple faceted uh, craft brewery that's also introducing great craft breweries into your state um, as a distributor and then opening coffee houses and exploring everything you can possibly find. I just saw um, Night Shift breakfast sausages, I believe, on the shelf in, uh, yep. <laughs> in, in a grocery store. So, uh, Or maybe, I guess maybe... Probably not breakfast sausages. Maybe they're more like your your backyard backyard barbecue sausage. But <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it's just really 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 cool when you see this. But, but the key among all of it was the trends that Massachusetts breweries were experiencing were far outpacing what the overall industry was. So here we are, a little small sliver of the national pie, but our sliver just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and that matters whether, whether you like measuring a brewery based on their growth. Um, at the end of the day, consumers decide who the great breweries are, and sometimes they vote with their wallets. Um, and the fact that, you know, five years ago, we might have been half the size we were um, in terms of total market share of craft beer in the United States, and today we're probably double that. Uh, and that trend hasn't slowed down. Uh, and you guys posted uh, the, the reprint of... Uh, I think it was a Brewbound article, if I'm correct, and they pointed out that, you know, you had five breweries in Massachusetts, all qualified as regional breweries, even if they technically weren't selling regionally. Um, but every one of those breweries had plus 15, plus 20 percent growth, and the national average was probably four. So why are our breweries experiencing five or six times the national trend? If there were small breweries, you can understand that. But these are big breweries. They're all top 100 breweries in the country out of 8,000. Um, and I think that's just fascinating to see. And it starts with quality. Then it then it plays out with passion, innovation, uh, and just having fun, at least in our case. Hmm. Always. So with innovation, what do you think that Massachusetts is doing differently besides creating the New England IPA? No, you just, you just stole all my thunder. But, the, you know, it's... Uh, uh, I mean, other than that, there's certainly a couple of things and, and you guys just brought up a good point. Uh, not, I'll dial it back a little bit, 16 ounce can four pack format, absolutely a Massachusetts and uh, Northeast New England, New England footprint. Um, but even cans, 
you know, it was uh, it was not that long ago, six, seven years ago, when cans were just kind of like a, whoa, wait a minute, I thought all quality beer went in bottles and 30 packs is what came in cans. Uh, you know, and I, I grew up in the business. Um, you know, my dad worked for Narragansett and Carling and Miller Brewing um, before he went to work for the distributors. And most of that was before I was born. But I can clearly remember as a 24, 25 year old, you didn't show up at a party with cans because you wanted to let everybody know, oh my God, I have a job. And, you know, I like the finer things in life. So you went out and you bought a 12 pack of bottles um, <laughs> and cans changed that and, and cans, you know, in New England. And for some reason, New England really formatted to the 16 ounce can. And, and there's examples of national breweries coming out here and not being able to figure that game out or really jumping through hoops to only send 16 ounce cans to New England. Uh, but now that's become a national thing. Um, and the 16 ounce four pack can, it, it matters uh, all four corners of the country and across and across the landscape. And I couldn't tell you why or who started that. And, and I honestly still prefer a 12 ounce when I can, <laughs> uh, but I'll drink a 16 ounce all day long too. So thanks to this region, we do not have to drink out of bombers anymore. So everyone, you're welcome. You do not have to drink out of a bomber because of us. Yeah, love it. <laughs> um, so obviously we went over innovation, but where does Massachusetts go from here? How do we continue to be this hub? You know, what do we, it's easy to get complacent when you're growing, you know, double digits a year. And obviously this year being a, more difficult year probably for breweries um how do we continue to grow and not become complacent oh boy um i wish you asked me that question about 14 weeks ago because that <laughs> answer was certainly a lot clearer um <laughs> you know the the answer today um I, I might ask you to rephrase the question is you know how do you survive so that you can live to fight another day and worry about growth um you know but it's it's kind of this it's beer um, sometimes people overthink and overcomplicate beer, but at the end of the day, um, it's about offering people a product that they want. And more importantly, if they want a second and a third and a fourth of maybe not the same session, sometimes the same session, uh, as long as you have an Uber or you're socially distanced. Um, but the, the, as much as has been thrown at us and all of the changes and all of the nuances and the new normals. Uh, at the end of the day, beer is, and, and we have this in our own, uh, you know, our own mission, vision, value statement, but, but beer was the original social network before there was Facebook, before there was anything else, people connected over beer. So as long as we give people a reason to want to get together six feet apart, um, <laughs> you know, being, being socially uh, responsible, uh, and socially distanced and responsible, then then you're going to be fine. So it means you have to give them great beer that they want to they want to get together and gather with and share with friends and invite friends to come share with them. You have to give them a fun, meaningful connection to your brand. Um, you know, we like to think that who doesn't want to drink a smile every day. Um, so we think that works well for us and be happy, which by the way, if anybody wants to know was created in Worcester, that's why <laughs> um, we get to tell the, the story of Harvey Ball and, and his creation of, of the smiley face, um, you know, and, uh, and it's not that hard. Great beer, a reason to drink it, a reason to get together with friends and, 
and game over. But, um, you know, innovation certainly is a key. Um, and that's it's really that simple. It seems like the Massachusetts beer community does have a great respect for each other. Um, we obviously we interview a lot of breweries and I don't think any of them have been like, they suck. And I don't think they would say that on air, but <laughs> it does seem like we have a pretty good ecosystem of, of brewers here who are willing to help. Does that add to the success of craft beer in Massachusetts on a national level? Yeah. I mean, um, collaboration always matters and you see that in a lot of places. Um, uh, but the willingness to help people out, um, you know, I, I remember clearly early on when I, when I started working with Ben and Tom at Wormtown and we were moving to our new location and we were trying to figure out what to do with our old location. I, I looked at Ben and I said, Hey, do you think Worcester has room for another brewery? And before I finished asking the question, his answer was absolutely no question about it. I would love to have another brewery take over our old space. And just as an example, you know, we went out, we interviewed four or five brewers and Dave Richardson at Flying Dreams came in with a business plan and was ready to, was ready to roll from day one. Um, and that's, that's the type of stuff that happens throughout all of Massachusetts, whether it's borrowing ingredients from each other or, um, you know, I can think of times when, uh, when some, uh, a particular brewery was down on hydraulic fluid. Uh, for their canning line and, and reached out to us and said, Hey, can, can we come get some from you guys? Hops, uh, it doesn't matter. Sharing expertise lab, but uh, Jack's Abbey used to let us run stuff down to their labs before we had our full program up and running, um, to help make sure we dialed in our quality. And, and it just, it happens throughout the entire state and then getting together, um, for bigger reasons. Uh, you know, we're, we're really proud of our efforts. Um, on the charity side here and, and the fact that we've been able to do, I think, three different efforts now, all with Worcester-based breweries um, to help raise awareness or raise funding for people in need or, or, uh, or great issues um, has been awesome. And yes, that we all feed off each other. It's all, all ships rise, right? Hmm. Absolutely. So we, we've kind of discussed why Massachusetts is the best. <laughs> But, Any other major points yeah, that we're like, missing? Yeah. Well, statistically, so we, we stayed off of one uh, one piece. We started going down that road, and uh, and I figured I should probably shut up unless you guys talk a little bit. But because <laughs> um, I get I get passionate about this because I do truly believe it, uh, it, and I'm supposed to, right? This exactly. is I'm a Worcester boy, born and raised, uh, love beer. So um, as we kind of talk statistically, right? Fifty states, Massachusetts is one of fifty. I think we're the fifteenth largest state. So no matter how you start looking at that from a mathematical standpoint, we're kind of middle in the pack. But when you look at the 100 largest breweries in the country, eight of those come from Massachusetts. So we way, way punch outside of our weight class when it comes to the size, the success, and the support. And that's really what it comes down to is consumers supporting our breweries. The only way we can measure that is through volume but what's really important in that statistic is consumers love buying our beer. They love drinking our beer and they do it in very, very, very significant ways. Um, you know, I think, I think total Massachusetts beer is, you know, mid single digits across the country in terms of total volume for a state that's 15th largest. Um, and if you can throw Sam Adams into our pile, we probably move up to number two or number three total. Uh, I mean, that that's pretty cool to see consumers from, not only local, but that means we're selling beer 
outside of Massachusetts in markets that maybe we're distributing to, or people are coming into Massachusetts and grabbing our beer and taking it home with them or enjoying it while they're here and telling our stories. I mean, we've got, we've got pictures on our social media of our beer being consumed in Europe, being consumed in Costa Rica, Aruba. I mean, that's just really, really, really cool. Now, is that just because of the New England IPA to kind of, you know, backtrack to what we're saying before? Are we just known as the best place to get New England IPA? You know, that's why. Uh, boy, um, you know, Jack's Abbey would tell you very differently. Right. Um, us as well. Um, yeah. We've never distributed a New England IPA. Sam Adams, Harpoon, um, you know, just playing that game a little bit. So um, it, it, it helps and it, and it has a big part of it. I think it's more of a, certainly more of a general IPA conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, but interestingly for us, and this is something I'm always very proud of, and I'm, I'm being a little bit of a Wormtown fanboy. Um, <laughs> And I always, I always remind everybody, I don't brew the beer, so, so I can brag about <laughs> it a little bit. Cause it's not yeah, it's work. allowed. It's okay. Um, but the two most metal beers we have in our portfolio, one's a pale ale and one's a double IPA, not be hoppy and hopulence. So bottle, bottle rocket and hopulence are two of our most metal beers. Bottle um, rocket's great. And, I, I love bottle beer. rocket. Yeah. And, and our world beer cups came from Porter's. Um, one of our GABF medals was a Hellas. Yeah. And dirty little secret, my brewing staff is probably going to kill me on this, but we won, um, we won a GABF medal on our Hellas. And, uh, that Hellas was a six month or seven month, seven month old beer (laughs) by the time it was rated. Think about that for a second, six or seven month old beer. And it was a bronze medal. Oh. That's pretty amazing. I mean, that speaks to quality, right? No doubt. No. Yeah. If you were to describe Massachusetts in one sentence or less, can you do that for us beer-wise? The Massachusetts beer scene? Oh, man. Um, I'd like to think that the, uh, the, Massa- the, the regular Massachusetts description uh, would play in beer, and I think it's scrappy, hungry and ready ready to go at it at any point in time with anybody anywhere i'm so glad that we had you on dave because you're literally preaching i think what we try to preach every week that mass beer is the best beer i mean we do interview people from new hampshire vermont and all over the country but (laughs) there's nothing like mass beer like home beer exactly yeah well if you guys are listening you have a major way out to wormtown um David, can you give the locations of Wormtown so people could go visit? Sure. So our uh, our home facility is 72 Shrewsbury Street, Worcester. Um, right off the highway, there's got to be 25 restaurants within walking distance of the brewery. BYOF, um, really cool location. Um, and that's definitely where the, the uh, significant portion of our production comes from. The second location, which we opened uh, about nine months ago, is at Patriot Place just outside of Gillette Stadium. Um, and that really serves as our pilot system and a little bit of a connection to, uh, a group of people who really travel from outside of the Massachusetts area and even outside of the New England area. Uh, but that tap room is absolutely spectacular. I still, I'm, I'm a Worcester kid, as I said, born and raised. And every time I walk into that tap room, I think to myself, wait a minute, what, how does this connect to Wormtown? Because there's two very drastic and different yeah. fields. Um, between those spaces, but yet we were still one of my partners was uh, a, a Jay Clark Digger, 
uh, was really able to kind of bring some of that raw Worcester graffiti urban vibe into it. Um, but it's absolutely spectacular. And the stuff that's coming out of there right now, we finally have been able to activate that seven barrel system. And, and you know, it's, it's beer after beer after beer every single week talking about innovation. I was in a meeting uh, last, we do meetings every Wednesday and someone was talking about a new beer that was coming out. And I said, oh, that's kind of interesting. I like the idea. Um, what are you guys thinking? And, and I, they explained it all to me. I showed up the next day and I was on the canning line putting it in cases. And I'm like, I thought they were just talking about this. Beer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't realize they brewed it three weeks ago. And, you know, we, we gave our brewers carte blanche to go down there, um, you know, and just literally don't worry about anything that, that anybody back at, in it in marketing or administration or sales wants to sell, just go have a ball and brew whatever you guys want, whenever you want. And, uh, and, and we'll figure out a way to move it through our tap rooms. They only come out 25, 30 case batches at a time and two tap rooms to sell them. in, so they don't last very long, usually a couple of days. Cool. That's awesome. Well, we're going to keep on, you know, promoting mass beer and making sure that it gets the, the recognition that it deserves. But, um, your beer can be found in a considerable amount of states. Um, you guys have the beer tracker on your website as well to show where you're distributed as well. So the beer tracker generally, unfortunately, isn't super accurate. Um, but 98% of our volume comes through Massachusetts. It has been. We've always been a mile, a mile deep and, and, you know, an inch wide. We have uh, we've rolled out Rhode Island. We have some uh, presence in New Hampshire. Um opening up all of Connecticut this summer, and then we just rolled Vermont. So it is, but really 98% of what we do is, is Massachusetts-based. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for doing this tonight. I know that uh, we would have loved to do it in person, but due to circumstances right now, um, we'll have to have a beer sometime down the road. Sounds good. Sounds and good. We'll, we'll, we'll make it a mass hole since you guys are oh, so big. You know what? That, mass hole. I wasn't going <laughs> to say that, though, but that is my favorite beer from you guys. It's so, so good. Pa- packaging 12 packs for the first time tomorrow. They'll be in the in the uh, central mass marketplace. But it, yes. uh, we're, pretty, we're pretty excited about that. The package looks so good. We're like, no, we have to do that. And every, <laughs> listen, if you're going to drink a 4.2%, you need more than four packs. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, That's cool. awesome. We'll look Very forward exciting. to that. Well, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Cheers.